the intro music's back i'm back it's thursday edition of marlins nine once again i am jeremiah geiger really happy to be back on really happy to happy to discuss the marlins monday thursday every monday thursday marlins nine new episodes we're gonna have some really good guests next week so looking forward to that but today it's a solo pod got some topics i'm gonna go over um number one is which marlins players am i most excited to watch down the stretch so earlier in the year it was all about competing it was all about fighting for that wild card spot and unfortunately right before the all-star break things started to fall apart marlins um during the second half of the second half of the season so far have played absolutely dreadful quickly fell out of the race and even i uh threw in the white flag i'm one of the most optimistic fans i i try to you know every day try to find some uh, some hope in the standings but um eventually you got to accept reality and the reality is the marlins are not a good baseball team this season they are not a postseason worthy team at the least and the time is to build toward 2023 and to focus toward 2023 as a season in which they compete in which they can contend for a wild card spot or the division if everything breaks right but number one topic i'm going to discuss today and it's going to be a shorter episode probably about 20 minutes or so um is which Marlins players the rest of the season am I looking forward to watch watching? Am I looking forward to see how their development goes? And first things first, it's gotta be it's gotta be the young hitters. It's gotta be the young hitters on this team. You know, you look at the lineup today against the Phillies, and you had a lot of young guys in the lineup trying to prove themselves. Number one, you got J.J. Blade who hit cleanup today, played right field. You got Nick Fortes as catcher, who has had a really um, surprising, splendid start to his major league career. And then you got Charles LeBlanc, who finally got called up. Uh, Peyton Burdick, the same. You got a lot of young guys, a lot of young hitters, and it's going to be really interesting to see their development as the season goes on. I'm and eventually wraps up as we only got a couple more months left in the regular season. The one guy I'm I'm looking forward to watch the most, I got to say, is JJ Blade. Um because when he came out of uh out of college, out of Vanderbilt and the Marlins selected him 4th overall in that 20 I, I want to say 2019 draft. Yeah, the 2019 draft. He was looked at as the most college um, ready or major league ready hitter coming out of coming out of college, and he struggled mightily in the minors, but he seemed to turn it around earlier this season. He he showed a lot of power, was hitting a lot of home runs. The average was still fairly low, about two twenty five. So he he really wasn't making a ton of contact um but his his plate discipline his plate discipline 
uh, was up there. He's drawing a lot of walks. And so when he comes up to the majors, you know, he's he's had a couple homers now. Uh, the other day against the Phils, really great game, one hit away from the cycle. So he's a guy moving forward that these next two months I think are absolutely crucial to him and his Marlins career because the Marlins have two outfielders theoretically that they've they've locked up. Uh, Avisail Garcia isn't going anywhere for the time being and Jorge Soler. And those guys are exclusively corner outfielders. Now Soler, if if I'm not mistaken, can opt out of his contract at the end of this season. But the way he's been playing overall and dealing with the injuries, I don't think it would really make sense for him to do so. I expect him to be with the Marlins, barring a trade perhaps, um, come 2023 opening day. But J.J. Blade is a guy you spent a first-round pick on. He he struggled in the minors, yeah, but he now he's now he's up in the bigs with a real chance over these last couple months of the season to prove that he can hit at the major league level that he belongs up here. So I'm really excited to to watch him. His plate discipline, I touched on that a little bit, is really really impressive. I gotta say, watching him him take at bats, take these tough pitches and two strike counts for balls shows me a really promising sign of development. He's not going up there swinging wildly. He he um he'll foul off a lot of pitches. It's all about can he when he does put the ball in play, you know, can he make solid contact and get base hits? Can he raise that average up? Because he does have the power. We saw that earlier in the minors. But the plate discipline is something I really wanted to praise J.J. Blade on as really impressive. Just watching this past series against the Phillies, it seemed like, especially in two strike counts, he wasn't chasing pitches away, even if they were close. He would take them for balls. So that is really promising. Nick Fortes is another guy. I really love his approach at the plate. The issue with Nick Fortes now is what do you do with Jacob Stallings, right? You make a you make a trade in the offseason to get a catcher. You want to upgrade uh, the catching position. And it turns out that Nick Fortes, who wasn't even on the opening day roster, it was actually Peyton Henry, turns out that Nick Fortes is, has performed the best out of all three, much better than than Jacob Stallings, um, especially offensively. And I I really like his defense, too. I think he has a cannon of an arm. I think he calls a good game. You saw a young battery mate today um, with Edward Cabrera and, and Nick Fortes, and Cabrera went five and two-thirds scoreless, and Fortes catches the whole game, ends up being his first shutout that he's caught. So defensively, I think there's a lot to like, but Fortes is a hit-first guy. And when the Marlins are struggling offensively so much, like they have been over the last month or so especially, 
Um, I think you got to give Fortes the majority of the at-bats the rest of the year. Now, am I saying reevaluate next season as Jacob Stallings the starter all of a sudden? Um, 2023? No, I don't think so. I don't think he is. I think Nick Fortes, if he continues to hit the way he has, and right now he's hitting at a 250 clip, OPS at over 700, 745, there's a lot to like. And especially if he keeps hitting, you got to have that conversation in the offseason about the future of this catching position. Do you, I don't think Jacob Stallings, just because he's still under contract, and is um was the incumbent starter going into this season i don't think he's automatically penciled in for next year he's been that bad so provided fortes continues to hit then i think you have a real discussion come 2023 about the number one catcher on this team leblon uh this is a guy that you know during the spring and into the early stages of, of of the summer, I really wanted to see called up. I was really frustrated when the Marlins continued to refuse hit, to call him up and option instead for uh, Eric Gonzalez uh, for multiple multiple times when Brian Anderson went down or Joey Wendell went down with injury. It seems like the Marlins just refused to call up LeBlanc and there was no there is nothing left for him to prove. Um, he hits the ball hard. He puts the ball in play. He's got really, really great numbers to start to start his Marlins career, albeit in only ten games. But the first ten games to a Marlins for a Marlins hitter, he has the best average all time for the first ten games to start um, a Marlins career. You know, over the likes of Hanley Ramirez and Marcelo Zuna, he hits the ball. And right now, it, it honestly reminds me a little bit of Brian De La Cruz last season, where it's kind of an unheralded prospect. Um, you know, not on the top 100 list or anything like that, but a guy that comes in and just hits. And obviously, De La Cruz kind of fell off a cliff this season. He struggled mightily. Is his batting average for balls in play, his bap ip, if you will, went down. It fell back to earth, and I expect the same to LeBlanc. I mean, he's not going to be hitting 400, obviously, during an entire season or even the rest of this season. But again, this is something that I'm really pushing for: is give these guys the at bats to see what he ends up hitting if he continues to hit because right now when he comes up it oftentimes he puts the ball in play and gets himself gets himself a base knock and that's really all you can ask for right now so i want to see him continue to get at bats continue to play every day honestly i don't think you have you don't have anything to lose right you're not going to this is all about developing these hitters developing these young guys for 2023 so you can reevaluate in the offseason and see okay what do we have here what what's our options moving forward who do we have that we trust offensively one of the guys i don't think the marlins trust offensively or at all is lewin diaz 
I don't. I think the Marlins have lost faith in Lewin Diaz as a hitter. He plays good, good uh, first base defensively, but they're starting to get him more and more at bats. But he's out of options now. He doesn't have any more minor league options. This is kind of do or die for him. You know, he he's struggled over three parts of three seasons now. He's really struggled in this season. Again, only about 50 at bats. I think he's, um, yeah, he's hitting 154. So he's hitting well under the Mendoza line. Again, when in AAA, he had nothing left to prove, but he was being blocked by Aguilar and Cooper. Well, now that the Marlins have kind of fallen out of contention, I think they they said what do we have to lose, which is absolutely nothing. And now they're getting him the at-bats. But earlier in the year, even last year, I did not like the way they handled the Lewin Diaz situation. They would call him up for a day or two at a time. He'd get a pinch hit. He'd sit on the bench, send him back down. It, it was just a mess. So is the jury still out on Lewin Diaz if he can be a... Uh, above average major league hitter absolutely now will it be with Miami I don't know I I don't know I don't know if moving forward the Marlins are excuse me I don't know if moving forward the Marlins are going to give him the reins at first base come opening day I I to be honest I don't see it happening now, if he goes on a torrid stretch the the rest of the way, and you know he's he hits three fifty down down the stretch or something crazy, then it might be a different discussion. But with with him being out of minor league options, Lewin Diaz could be a guy I see the Marlins moving on from, and looking externally for a proven first base option now I could be completely wrong but that is kind of the way I'm perceiving the situation because I don't think they see him as their long-term answer again only time will tell he has the rest of the season to try to prove himself but it might be a little little too late for him in a Marlins uniform Peyton Burdick Another guy who is in the lineup today playing center field. Peyton, for me, it's it's pretty straightforward, right? You're going to get the three true outcomes. You're going to get the the strikeout. You'll get the walk. You'll get the home run. He He's a true three outcomes hitter, and I don't really have a problem with that. I think he brings a lot of energy to the team. Um, I like I like that approach to a degree as a fourth outfielder. I don't think he is a long-term starter on this team, but I like that they're getting him the at-bats. He needs the at-bats at the major league level to try to see major league hitting, and he's going he's gonna to have his ups and downs and work through these, these low points, work through the strikeouts, continue to get at-bats, continue to see, see elite pitching. And in 2023, I think he... he has a real good chance of making the major league roster, albeit as a backup. I don't think he would be a starter, but he's a guy again 
he he brings power to the table and the Marlins they lack power, you know. You sign Soler and Garcia to to be the power bats um in the off season and Jazz Chisholm who hasn't played since like June 28th is still leading the still leading the team in home runs. So Burdick brings some pop. It's I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the stretch. Now, it, it is year five in the rebuild, right? And I'm sitting here, I'm still talking about the development of players because the Marlins are out of contention. Now it's year five. I I expected um I expected to compete this season. I expected for the Marlins to make a run at the wild card. I really did. I felt like they had the talent and it didn't happen. So what do what does Miami need to do in 2023 in order to compete for a playoff spot? And I think the number one key is you need you need to take action. The Marlins stood pat at the deadline. They they refused not refused but they didn't actively go out and and shop Garrett Cooper or Pablo Lopez and in an opportunity to make some big time trades they they traded away Anthony Bass and Zach Pop and got back a top 100 shortstop in Jordan Jordan Groshans but other than that they weren't making any moves that was the only trade they really made so this offseason I think you have to go out and sign at least one or two bats or make a trade. You got to trade from the pitching depth because the pitching's there. I've talked about Sandy. He is just incredible. Should win the Cy Young, hands down. Will be mentioned in the National League MVP conversation. Pablo Lopez. And then, you know, the young guys, Braxton Garrett has looked really good at times. Jesus Luzardo, hopefully he's figuring it out and and puts it all together. He's a guy you can build on. And then, of course, you have the prospects waiting in the minors, like Yuri Perez, who is probably the best starting pitching prospect in all of baseball. Max Meyer went down the, with injury, unfortunately. But the list goes on. The Marlins are going to have to... Uh, trade off some of that hitting for a bat or two. So I think in the off season, you're gonna see you're gonna see the Marlins target a first baseman and possibly uh possibly a second baseman or shortstop because you you need more offensive production. There's just no way of of saying it otherwise. Like. What's the quick answer? How can the Marlins compete? More hitting. Better better hitting. Uh, you know, you got to score more runs. You can't win games if you don't score more runs. So I think that's the main thing for 2023 is as fans, we can't do anything about it. We can sit here and talk about it and speculate. But at the end of the day, I'm going to say it, if the Marlins don't, do anything if they just stand pat and think that their internal options are going to push them over the hump then i think that's folly i think that's absolutely fool's gold 
because injuries happen. You know, players go down, players struggle. It's not it's not that the Marlins don't have talent now. It's that you need to make smart additions to improve your weaknesses, to improve your roster flaws. And right now the Marlins have some gaping holes. Uh, center field, and I, I honestly think shortstop. Offensively, I think shortstop is a big... Uh, I love Miggy, Miggy Rowe, but offensively he... He has a he has a ceiling. It's a fairly low ceiling. And if the Marlins are serious about winning, they're gonna have to look at center, first base, short, third, and really figure out where they're going to go from here. Do you trust Brian Anderson at third base? Like there's a lot of holes on this team offensively that need to be that need to be filled. So this offseason is going to be intriguing to watch if Kim Ang and Bruce Sherman and the whole front office are willing to go and spend money for free agents or to make a trade to trade some of that pitching depth you know trade trade away um you know a Jesus Lazardo or a Pablo Lopez and get back quality quality major league ready controllable hitters and then that mesh between the hitting and pitching hopefully can put Miami in contention for for a playoff spot. Now it'd be great if if you find some internal options the rest of the way like like I said if Fortes continues to hit I think boom there you go you have your catcher. If Blade if Blade gets on a hot streak then okay you you're you're talking about him perhaps starting next year in right in in right field in one of the corner outfield spots on opening day. So you got options internally. The rest of the the rest of this season I think is all about seeing which options you're going to hold on to and which ones you you're going to eventually move on from like like a Lewin Diaz. So that's what I'm looking for the rest of the stretch um Next week, I got. I'm really excited for next week. We got some good guests. We got uh, John Rodriguez and Eli Sussman. Hopefully, we'll be joining the show next week if everything works out. Again, the podcast will be out uh, an episode Monday and an episode Thursday, two times a week. Really excited to to be doing this again. And really excited to to watch the fish the rest of the year, even though they're not they're not in contention for a playoff spot. There's still a lot to be excited for and to watch the development of these guys. So as always, let's go fish. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back with Marlins Nine.